Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund. Kim Grinolds is in transit, literally, as we speak this uh, wonderful Saturday morning here on Dogman Radio. Uh, he is on his way to Tucson. He will be there for the matchup between Washington and Arizona tonight, 7 o'clock, Pac-12 Networks. And, uh, Scott, uh, it's interesting. It's uh it feels like it could set up a little bit like last year's Arizona State game. I mean, the weather situation isn't all that dissimilar, which is kind of funny because tonight's game's at 7, whereas last year's game at Arizona State was in the middle of the day. But they're both, you know, I look back the t- you know, at, the, uh, at the, the, the box from last year, and it said that the uh, at, at game time the temperature was 84 degrees, whereas tonight it's scheduled to be right around 85 to 86 so yep who who knows if the weather is going to play as much of a factor anymore but um you know so much to play for in this game i mean just so much on the line because you know the one thing that that we in the media and the fans and everyone else outside of the program can think about is all the ramifications for what happens if washington wins this game Mm -hmm. especially if oregon wins their game uh against stanford and mm-hmm. so if that Oregon doesn't goes, happen, Oregon's got a lot more problems than, uh, <laughs> than yeah, and they if, want and to if, acknowledge. And if, and if Washington, so if Washington and Oregon both win their games this weekend, they've got their bye weeks the following week, weekend, and then the weekend of the 14th, you know, you've got a matchup of two top 10 teams, slam dunk. Washington could maybe even be a top five team, depending on how they take care of business tonight. Um, game day, ESPN. It's almost a it's almost a slam dunk that that's going to happen. You're looking at a game time that could be I think we're hearing what twelve thirty four thirty. Um, yeah. You know, worst case it's probably going to be late midday. Uh, definitely doesn't sound like it's going to be a night game at all. If they pick it for that for this next Monday, you just there is always that specter of the six day window. You just don't know. Oh my god, I hope they but, don't do that. But, but chances yeah. are really, really good if ESPN's got their claws on this thing and they want game day in Seattle on the on the fourteenth, they're gonna try to get everything out there as soon as possible. So I think they're you've got yeah. that going for you. Well there but, there was speculation late last week, uh late during the week that by John Wilner, he he kinda listed it out. Chris, I think you put it up on the message boards. Um yeah. you know what what he was what he was speculating, but he says right now it looks like Washington's either going to be the 1230 or the 430 slot. And, um, 
And, you know, it, and and he said a lot depends on he, he said he didn't expect the six day window to be used. So no, and I don't I, I yeah. fully don't. Like I said, Neither if do I has anything to say about this. And I believe they get the first pick um, for the Monday yeah. games uh, or on Monday for those for those games on the 14th. I believe that's and if that's the case, they're going to try to get all this stuff lined up as soon as possible, because the quicker they can get their game day lineup solidified, their production stuff going, um, the easier it makes it for everyone trying to get their stuff, especially when you have to go all the way to a place like Seattle, for instance, up in the mm-hmm. upper left. We know, you know, travel wise, it's not too bad as far as planes and stuff. But when you're they got to drive you trucks, got all gear and <laughs> yeah, you've got trucks going. Yep. It could be kind of a mess. So, yeah, but let's get into this. I mean, in this game tonight, I mean, I think that the, it's so funny because we don't we don't usually want to talk about the lines and stuff, but the lines kind of are an interesting tell on what Vegas thinks about this game right now, because it's fluctuated. I think it started around 18 and a half, 19. Then it went up, then it went down. Now it's going back up again. I, I think it's around 20 and 20 and a half at some points, depending on who you're looking at. I think so. The, it, so the money's coming in on Washington. Yeah, but a lot of okay. it is is also dependent on the the, the big storyline of the game as far as Arizona is concerned. Let's talk about their offense first. It's uh, the idea that Jaden Delora may not play, and he went out with a with an mm-hmm. ankle injury, or at least what appeared to be what looked like an ankle injury at Stanford in their one point win uh, on the farm this last weekend. And Noah Fafita came in, their backup. He not only kind of solidified things as far as the end of the game scenario, but he helped drive them, got their touchdown, and then he helped salt the game away at the end. It's It feels like if you take a kind of a, a, a temperature or reading of the fan base, especially if you read like the, the Wildcat Authority boards, the, the Arizona site for the 24-7 Sports Network, they almost feel better about their backup and their chances of success, as opposed to Jaden Delora, uh, it, it feels like the fans think the team is rallying around Noah Fafita. They feel like he's more of a, I don't know, game manager doesn't feel like the right term. And I think Jason Shear, the the publisher at Wildcat Authority, kind of said the same thing. It, it just feels like he has a better grasp of the offense in terms of just kind of, you know, making sure they don't make mistakes, kind of giving it to the playmakers, letting them do their thing. What's your overall sense of what you think the quarterback situation is going to be like tonight? Boy, I, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen Fafita enough. I mean, I only saw a little bit of him uh, in last week's game when I watched the when I went back and watched their game. But um, gosh, I just, you know, Jaden Delora is just so special when when he when he can extend plays and and do different things. I got a hard time believing that that the players are just going to rally around some guy that's a true freshman or what is he redshirt freshman and you know that you know I'm not saying they won't I just more than Jaden Delara you think you have a better chance with a guy that doesn't extend plays with his legs like Jaden Delara was it does I, I I don't know I got a hard time seeing that be the case but uh whatever it is you know Noah Fafita came in and made made a couple of nice plays to help them extend that drive at the very you know basically run the clock out with a one point lead and they were down inside their own 20. Um, and he came in and he performed pretty well. So I think, I think, uh, I've got to believe that even a gimpy Jane Delara is going to be probably better 
than Noah Fafita. But uh, that being said, what makes Jaden Delara special is his ability to extend plays, to allow his receivers to get open down the field, to get off of his spot and throw on the run, maybe even get out and do a little running himself. And even if he plays, he's not going to be that same guy. And I think that's why if he does play, I think that you're going to see Braylon Trice, Zion Tupelo-Fatui, maybe um, Lance Holdsclaw, maybe Sakai Asawa-Foa. Those guys be able to get in, get some pressure, and and uh, you know start putting up a little, a few sack numbers that uh, have kind of been lacking so far this year. Yeah, and what's interesting is you really do have a contrast in styles, even though both of those quarterbacks seem to run their offense pretty well. The offense that was designed by Jed Fish. Uh, run by Brennan Carroll right now. Um, it just it just feels like the ceiling is so much higher for Delora in terms of those splash plays, in terms of extending plays. But he's also prone to mistakes. I think he threw three or four picks at, at Mississippi State, for instance. Mm-hmm. You can't throw interceptions in a game like this if you're Arizona, because if you're just giving the ball away to Washington's offense, we know what Washington can do with it once they have it. And so that, that it kind of begs the question, do you need the higher ceiling guy who can maybe – keep up with a Washington and if this game ends up being kind of a shootout, which we, we certainly expect Washington to score points tonight. Or do you need a guy that's going to keep Washington's offense off the field? It, it just, it's yeah. kind of a because what, it, from our understanding and from the, the limited um, snaps that we've seen of Fafita, for instance, you mentioned it, Scott, he, he's not the flashy guy. He, they haven't showed a propensity to throw deep over the top with Fafita in the game. And maybe he has that in his arsenal. We just haven't seen it yet. No one's really seen it yet, but you know, they have guys that are capable of getting down there. Guys like Jacob Cowing, guys like uh, Tedaroa McMillan. Um, you know, they have weapons at their, yeah, at their they do. you know, if they, if they choose to use them, it'll be really interesting depending on the quarterback, how they can use those, those weapons in their attack. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, uh, to, I, I never remember how, is it Tedaroya? Tedaroa? I just say Tedaroa. Yeah, Tedaroa just... McMillan. Let's just say McMillan. <laughs> McMillan from the Arizona team. Uh, yeah, team, he, uh, T-Mac and J-Mac. Yeah, exactly. So he uh, um, he's a big-time target. 6'5", 210 pounds. He's an NFL guy, in my opinion. Watched him last year against Washington. Remember, he had that long catch and run. I think he had yep. two two touchdowns against Washington last year, and and uh, he's a guy who can make plays. You know, I mean, he's 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 huge. He's a tough cover. Um, they've got him at. Uh, I mean, last year he only had 39 receptions, but for 702 yards and eight touchdowns. So, um, you know, he's already got 21 so far this year in four games. Um, three touchdowns, uh, 341 yards. So, I mean, that he is a threat, and I have a feeling that you're going to see Jabbar uh, Muhammad on him. The problem is Jabbar Muhammad gives that, gives away, what, about seven inches to him? And You think Muhammad is going to be – I would think Muhammad, they would put Muhammad on Jacob Cowling, but Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, that's probably a good call. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's just, you know, that it's, it, these, these guys present some challenges, you know, not necessarily the challenges that Washington's wide receivers present, but they present some serious challenges to what you're going to do and, and where you're going to roll your safeties and what you're going to do. Mish Powell is going to have a, have a big impact from the Husky spot this year. So or this year, this, this, this game. So, you know, I, I just, I, it Washington needs to keep this passing game in check. I think if they can do that, if they can get after 
whoever is the quarterback, but um, I still think it's going to be Delora. But, um, you know, whoever is going to be the quarterback today, um, I've got to believe that Washington's really going to get after them um, up front and might even leave their their DBs in some one on one situations. So it's really going to be important to get home. But if if they can get some some uh, pressure on the quarterbacks, cause a, a turnover t- or two or maybe even just some bad throws and some three and outs. I think Washington's got a very good chance to to exceed the uh you know the points on this and and I think Washington is is uh just going to roll. I think I don't think they're looking ahead. I think this is where uh Kalen DeBoer's one and 0 mentality uh comes in um and getting teams focused on a a team that's you know not a great team. They're not a bad team, but they're not a great team and Washington should beat these guys pretty handily. But, um, you know, there is always the possibility that Washington overlooks them, especially with Oregon on the on the horizon. But I I just I think I think Washington's going to be focused in this since they got a bye week. I think uh, Michael Penix is rolling. I think he's playing some of the best football we've ever seen at the quarterback position for the University of Washington. And so I think that Washington's defense is going to be the real key to kind of hold things down and and uh, give Washington's offense the ball as many times as possible. Well, let, let's keep sticking to that side, that 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 matchup mm-hmm. between Arizona's offense and Washington's defense. My question is, you you said you saw a little bit of that that Stanford that Arizona Stanford game. Delora only threw for 157 yards, and he was yep. still in most of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, I think he went out in the maybe very very late third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, whatever it was. It wasn't he played most of that game. And are we led to believe that you think Stanford's passing defense is that great? No, I don't think it's that great. Uh, they're very pedestrian. The thing is, the one thing that um, I was told by people who've watched Stanford and, and seen what they can do this year um, have said, hey, they're not talented in the secondary, but they're disciplined. They're they're well schooled. They're well coached. They understand what they're looking for. They're understanding what they're wanting to do. And the guys are not out of position. Now, it you know, there's some offenses that it doesn't matter if you're in position or not. You're, the receivers are just that good. The quarterback's that good. You're going to be able to um, make some plays on them. But um, Jaden Delora did not look comfortable in this game, in that game. He he was running for his life a lot. He Like you said, Chris, he didn't even throw for 200 yards before he went out. And that was – and he went out like at the beginning of the fourth quarter, or something like that, right? I mean, it was mid mid yeah, uh, mid it was, mid it fourth was quarter. Later in the game, for yeah, sure. it, it was definitely later in the game. And so, um, you know, it's it's hard to know um, exactly what happened in that game, you know, from a schematic scam standpoint, because I'm just watching it on TV. But uh, you're watching it, and you're just, I was just like, how is this even happening? You know, I mean, this doesn't seem like this should be what what's happening. But um, you know, Stanford was able to run the ball a little bit. And uh, keep keep uh, the Arizona offense off the field a little bit, and and when Arizona is kind of a you know how they they have those hitters that they are those uh, uh, shooters I'm sorry in uh, basketball that are volume shooters I think yep. Arizona is that volume offense where the more possessions they get the better chance they have of of you know being able to to you know, finally find a spot to, to get things done against you and, you know, offensively. And, and, uh, I don't, I didn't see that. I didn't see that in this game. And, you know, he, like you said, Chris, he was 14 to 26. He was barely over 50%, you know, yeah. Jane Delara throwing the game throwing the ball. 
And, um, you know, they rushed for 145 yards. It was just kind of one of those eh, games for their offense. I Because that offense can put up 600 yards pretty easily. Well, yes. And, and not to delve too much into that, into that Arizona-Stanford game too much, but I want people to understand this for context. Arizona through four games is now averaging giving up over th- almost 308 yards a game via the pass. Mm-hmm. Arizona got almost just a little more than half that. Yep. I mean, they now Stanford's played Hawaii, USC, and Sacramento State. Remember, they lost to Sacramento State. Well, they they have a worse loss to Sacramento State than they did to Arizona. They lost Arizona by a point. They lost to Sacramento State by a touchdown. Yeah. They gave up 30 points to Sacramento State, mm-hmm. which is Troy Taylor's old team. So I mean, it's you know, there's there's some certainly some things that you have to look at if you really want to take a deeper dive into a game like that. But it's just interesting for context because right now Stanford's 124th in the country in pass defense. Mm-hmm. And they gave up 157 yards to Arizona's starting quarterback. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's worth a deeper look for sure. But it kind of it makes you wonder whether or not the Arizona fans maybe have a better look at this and say, you know what? Maybe a guy like Noah Fafita, maybe it's, it's time to see what he can do because, he, you know, even though his – his ceiling may not be as high. His floor may already be higher than what Jaden Delora can give them right now. So that will certainly be interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, yeah, I, it, it's, you know, you, you don't want to sound like a, a Homer and be so, so, but I just, this is, this is about Washington against Washington, Washington executing and doing what they need to do. Uh-oh. And you're buying what, into the us versus us stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I really am. And and but you know, for Washington and I and I said it in my in my preview that I get the sense that the only team that can stop Washington is Washington. And and um on their schedule, you know, I mean, you know, they're gonna play Oregon, they're gonna play USC, they're playing uh 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 Utah, they're playing a really good Washington State team. That's gonna be a fun game to cover on Thanksgiving weekend. They're gonna they're playing at Oregon State. They've got tough games ahead of them, but I'm looking at every game that they're playing, and I don't know who shuts down this offense. And I think this defense is playing better. And so I think that in the long run, it's really gonna be Washington defeating themselves, whether it's by mistakes, whether it's by penalties, whether it's by turnovers, whatever it is. Um, I just get the sense that if Washington plays, you know, brings their A game every game, I have a hard time seeing them lose. And that's why I, it really comes back to is Washington going to execute and do what they need to do? Um, because, um, you know, Arizona's a talented team. You know, Jed Fish has done a really good job down there getting getting the talent back in that in that program and also, uh, you know, ginning up support by, from the fan base and everything like that. I just I but I just have a hard time seeing uh, Arizona being able to do much against Washington, even on the offensive side of the ball, especially with Jaden Delara gimpy at best. Certainly hard to disagree, Scott. But again, they they certainly when you think about us versus us, when Washington played at Arizona State last year, they certainly oh, yeah. lost. that. Oh, yeah. They did. They, but know. but if, if you think about it, the two losses last year come down to two things, two plays, really. It was the um, pick six off of Penix when he threw that ball off of the helmet of uh, Jackson Kirkland. And then at Utah or at UCLA, Washington 
was I, I felt Washington was going to, you know, be able to win that game. And they have the fumble in the end zone by uh, Wayne Talapapa on an easy pitch that that Ryan Grubb has said several times that if he had caught that ball and ran it, it would have been a 30 yard gain. And Washington would have been off to the races in that game, I think, throwing the ball around. But the mistakes and the and the fact that they had so many injuries in that in that secondary, both of those both of those games were lost. They were games on grass too. Now this one is a game that's on it on turf, and I just think Washington's not going to be slowed down. I don't think you're going to see the mistakes. I think this team is really dialed in. They've got that veteran leadership, and I just have a real hard time seeing seeing the offense or defense doing much against Washington. Yeah, so that's true too. And and back in 2016, when Washington was ranked as high as they are now. No one would have seen that result coming either, but it took them to overtime to pull out a win in the desert. Mm-hmm. It's Pac-12 after dark tonight. <laughs> Anything can happen. Desert. I get it. Yep. Funny things happen. The ball bounces funny. I mean, you you even go back, you know, the the two years before that when Washington had a win, basically wrapped up until I was it Levon Coleman or who somebody yep. fumbled, and yep. then they kicked the field goal to win. It, it's just it's just a weird environment for Washington. Always has been, but I will say this: it's been weirder in in Tempe than Tucson. You know, one thing I will say too is, and we're this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but what I'm wondering is, okay, things will get weird in the desert, right? We we always say that about the Pac-12. What's it going to be in the Big Ten? Things get weird in the cornfield. I mean, what I mean, what you know, when they're when they're playing at Iowa or Nebraska or or, you know, some of these uh, schools that are in the, you know, the, in the Midwest. And, well, and some, it's, some environment's going to end up being the new desert, Scott. I know. That's know what I'm building. saying. Yeah. And, and well, I'm just I'm wondering what that's going to be. That's kind of an interesting thing to think about for the future. It, it's uh, at some point we're going to find out. But you're you're going to need a little bit bigger sample. You're going to have to wait 10, yep. 15, 20 years to figure out. But over time, fans will come to realize that going to such and such a place will be akin to playing a game in the desert. It's just yep. The, the weird things happen, as we as we say. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go to the other side, because I think you and I may have, I don't know if we think similarly about how the offense will operate tonight or not as far as Washington's concerned, but one other thing I wanted to talk about with Arizona's offense is that, you know, Jaden Delora is questionable right now. We don't know. Game time decision. We'll find out tonight. Kim will be on the field. He'll let us know if he sees him, those kinds of things, as we always do. But Michael Wiley, Arizona's stop running back, is not going to be available. And that's like for sure. And I believe, according to Jason Shear, one of Arizona's offensive linemen is not going to be available, too. I think it's Polito. Mm. I think it's their their freshman yep. who's who's not going to be available. I read that. You you guys did that with your, yeah. uh, and, your thing. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm just I'm just wondering, because if you if Noah Fafita does have to play in this game tonight, and he if he does make his first career start, you would think Jed Fish would want to lean a little heavier on the run game. And they've got Jonah Coleman. They've got DJ Williams. They've got a couple of guys who played pretty well against Stanford. Again, don't know how good Stanford is against the run. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. I have no idea. Do you think that not having Wiley could be a bigger impact in this particular game compared to maybe the game at Stanford? Because they, they were able to manufacture some things anyways with Noah Fafita. Do you think this is going to have maybe almost a bigger impact than not having Delora. You know what? I don't have the, 
um, their depth chart that they put out uh, in front of me. But the guy who led them in rushing during the Stanford game, because Michael Wiley only got two carries. Because uh, right. he got, he got Col- dinged Jonah up. Coleman's the yeah, guy. Jonah Coleman is the guy. Yeah, he's about 5'9", 225 pounds. That's a bowling ball. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and, uh huh. And, you know, he had 12 carries for 75 yards. You also had DJ Williams, uh, who also got some carries. He's a senior, 6'2", 225. You've got guys who are, are bigger backs that you're going to be facing. I don't think they're as explosive as what we've seen from maybe um who was that little guy who who was kind of going back and forth with Miles Gaskin to for the top running back spot um you know a few years ago um where I mean he was so little but he he would get like 150 yards a game I mean he I, they they had they've always seemed to have very explosive tailbacks that were on the smaller side but these are two big backs five nine two twenty five and six foot two twenty five. And I think those are the ones who are they're going to throw at Washington. And if that's the case, Washington, I think, is going to be in great shape because I think the linebackers have been playing really well. Um, I thought I think that the interior, of the defensive line is playing better, especially with Fatui Tuatele now back in the rotation. Uh, he and Jacob Bandis uh, make a nice uh, pairing there in the in the middle um, with the second union. You got MJ Ale and, or Ulumu Ale and uh, Tuli Latula Sanoa. Um, those two guys are playing both really well. Um, and then you, and then you throw in Javon Parker, who's been playing really well as well. So, um, I like kind of that matchup for Washington. If, if those are the guys, cause Michael Wiley is six foot two fifteen. He's not a small back, but he's a little bit more explosive and a little shiftier than the other guys. So that'll be kind of something to keep an eye on and how uh, they end up uh, doing that. Jonah Coleman did have three receptions for 22 yards too. So he can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Yeah, and they also have a, a, another kid, Speedy Luke, who's from Bosco, who's like 5'9", 175, but he only had three carries against Stanford, and mm-hmm. he's only had, I think, 11 carries on the season. So, yep. you know, maybe that's a guy Maybe that's a guy they spring on Washington. Maybe that's their changeup guy. Maybe Because mm-hmm. I, I do think you're right, because both, with both Coleman and Williams being those bigger backs and Washington being pretty stout up front, I think there's a chance Washington gets to those guys before they can get their their engines going, so to speak, yeah. before they can really plant their foot in and, and really get upfield. Because mm-hmm. obviously, when they when they can get upfield, they've got a head of steam. They're going to cause some problems. Yep. Um. So th- that's going to certainly be something to watch out for as well. We haven't even talked about Tanner McLaughlin, their their tight end, who I think is really really good, probably the most underrated. I would say probably the most underrated tight end in the Pac-12. No one almost no one ever talks about him, but he's averaging 16 yards a catch yeah. this year. He had a 36 yard touchdown at Stanford. I think he's just one of those guys. It's kind of like Jack Westover. It's like you he goes under the radar, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's got a touchdown on you. And why is he so under the radar? He's from Alberta. Okay, he's he's a Canadian guy. Came down to man, talk about a change in lifestyles and uh, uh climate six five 245 pounds though he can run and um what i've heard from people is that he's basically the best tight end they've had at arizona since um gronk was there so yeah that, that that's saying a lot they've had some decent t- tight ends they, so. they have but T- tanner mclaughlin is definitely a guy that washington fans should watch for tonight because again Cowling and and Tenero McMillan, they get the headlines, but Tanner McLaughlin is a guy that that you need to focus on because he will sneak past you. Yeah, last year, 34 receptions, 456 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. And he came from uh, southern Utah? 
Is that where? Yeah, Southern Utah. He was a transfer. He was a transfer. Yeah, I mean, it, he he's a guy that, that, you know, he can work that middle of the field. So that's going to be on Mish Powell a little bit. That's also going to be on um, uh, Dominique uh, Hampton. That's probably going to be on Cam Fabi Kulanen. Um, we don't think Asa Turner is going to play this weekend. So, um, you know, those guys are going to will uh, Vincent Nunley is going to have to be on his on his game as well. So be interesting how Washington decides to to uh, cover him, because I think that guys like Eddie and and go forth, those guys can run with him. Can't, Carson Bruner could also run with them a little bit. But um, I think they want to get those guys uh, getting after the quarterback a little bit. So I think you're going to see maybe more of a defensive back safety. Uh, be the one that covers him. Yeah, and and I definitely think that Washington's secondary and even the linebackers they're going to have to be on the lookout for those crossing routes because there there's a couple crossing routes uh, against Cal that really cross them up and you know you can call them pick plays you can call them what you want because some of those are illegal depending on how the other receivers are playing them but they've got to get used they've got to be able to hand those things off and and be able to do some things to kind of slow those things down and again if the calls are just made for Braylon Trice, like the calls that should be made, the calls that were begging to be made against California that weren't called, then, you know, maybe we're not even talking about something like that. But there's there's no question that I think that the, the difference between a guy like Delora and a guy like Fafita, I, I don't necessarily say it changes everything that Washington should do defensively, but I think it certainly changes everything kind of post-snap. Because I think, Fafita is a guy that's going to want to stick a little bit. They might, you know, focus a little bit more on the shorter passing game instead of allowing a guy like Delora to kind of make plays with his feet and do some other things. Because one of the things that I, maybe you saw it against the Stanford uh, in the Stanford game, Delora was going backwards a lot. I yes, mean, like, he was yep. really backwards, like 10, 20 yards backwards at times. And you you just can't do that against people like Washington. You know who he I mean, you can't do that hardly yeah. against anybody. You know who he reminds me of is Fran Tarkington. Uh, this is going back to your my like childhood yeah. and and things like that. I know most of the people Vikings. listen to this Vikings. won't know who yeah won't know who that that is. But Fran Tarkington, he was a guy who he didn't necessarily run a lot because back in the you know late 60s early 70s they weren't run quarterbacks weren't running that much. But when they did run, they ran backwards, they ran sideways, they weaved their way in and out of guys, and Fran Tarkington was the guy who did that the best. And I don't, I don't know if you remember that one play a lot. I mean, you probably, it's, it's one of his most famous plays where he, he runs around like, um, for at least 20 or 30 seconds, he's running around avoiding guys and probably loses about 50 yards before he runs up and, and then he throws it, um, and ends up with a touchdown. <laughs> so, I mean, Fran Tarkington, he just, Jade Delora reminds me of that. Now, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback in the future? Probably not, but um, he's the same size. You know, uh, Fran Tarkington wasn't a very big guy, um, but he he was able to run around and make plays with his legs and extend extend things. And that's what Jaden Delora does best. But as we've mentioned several times, he's going to be gimpy at best in this game. And if that's the case, then I think Washington's got a chance to really, really make some things tough on him not only with the pass rush, but also in the in the passing game, because he's just not going to be able to extend things with his legs. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher Online Shop stage 
to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Shopify powers 10% of all e commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award winning 24 7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball for Arizona. I think things are a little bit more cut and dried here, but we've heard, at least from Jason Shear and others, that Arizona may be thinking about trying to... to to you know throw a wrench into the works you know these these mythical cover eight type scenarios and all this but i and 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 maybe you and i have differing thoughts on all this stuff but i really do think this could be the game that really tests michael Penix's discipline and ability to just take what's there because we've seen at times where he can get stuck on things downfield and in not so much forces things, but he's going to want to take a shot if he thinks it's there, even if it somehow develops into something different. Um, do you do you get the sense that Arizona is going to really try some some almost desperation moves to try to take Roma Dunze and and take Jeremy Bernard and take Jalen Polk and because we're we're again Jalen McMillan game time decision we're not sure if he's going to be even around tonight, but even so. Washington has more than enough firepower to get it done down the field. But do you think Arizona is really going to resort to those kind of drastic schematic differences to, to take those guys out? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Johnny Nansen, you know, he, we, you and I've talked to him several times and he said, he said, you know, I want to be aggressive with my, with my guys, but you know, if teams are going to throw the ball on us all over the place, I'd rather, uh, let my front guys pin their ears back and then play coverage and, and things like that. And, um, you know, he also comes from the style of, uh, you know, he coached under Justin Wilcox when Wilcox was the uh, defensive coordinator here at the University of Washington. And he's learned from some different guys to do different things. And I think that Johnny Nansen, if he gets his opportunity, he's he's going to, um, you know, maybe pick and choose some spots. If you play eight you know, someone had said, was it was it Jason that said that they might do a three, three down lineman, eight defensive back thing, 
right? Yeah. Or coverage. <laughs> it's, yeah, cover eight. And, it's, and if and if that's yeah. what it, and if that's what it is, then maybe one or two of those guys could come on delayed blitzes, or could be guys that you send from the you know maybe you send corner blitzes and things like that at Michael Penix just to throw them off, see what they can they can get out of this. Uh, put the uh, running backs, you know, Dylan Johnson, Tybo Rogers, uh, Will Nixon, uh, Richard Newton, those guys put them in, in some difficult positions to have to make choices on, Hey, um, which guys come and I have to know, I have to block that guy and, and things like that. So, um, yes, I do think this will test Michael. If they do go to a cover eight, this will test Michael Penix's patience and, and his willingness to just hand the ball off. And, and, but, but I mean, if, if, if they're going to run three, a three, eight, um, basically Washington's just get, should just mash the ball down their throats. I mean, a light box, if you're only going to play four or five in the box and two of those guys are going to be uh, defensive backs, I think you've got to figure out a way to, to run the ball for 200, 250, 300 yards and just take what the defense gives you. And, you know, Ryan Grubb and Michael Penix are not take what the defense gives you kind of guys. They're the, no, we're dictating what's going to be happening and things like that. But um, I think at least early on, you might see him take a shot or two down the field and kind of test the limits of what Arizona can do. But I think in the long run, I think they're going to, if they're given a light box, I think they're going to run the ball way more than they're going to throw it. And if that happens and Arizona has to stop being, you know, being uh gashed for you know seven eight yards a carry if they want to if they want to put and then that opens things up for the passing game usually with this offense it seems like washington opens up the run game with the pass but i think this might be a game where they have to open up the pass with the run well another thing too is scott they they can certainly line up in a certain in a certain look show a picture and then right at the very end drop into a cover eight you know they they could they could certainly show guys at the line of scrimmage and then drop. So it'll be interesting to see what that chess game inside the football game looks like. One thing we're led to believe, if you listen to guys like Jason Shear and you and you kind of watch these games unfold for Arizona, they certainly seem a little bit more stout up front and have a little bit more danger up front with some of the guys they've gotten in the portal, some of the guys that they've developed. You look at you know guys like Isaiah Ward, Tai uh, Tai Uyangalale, uh, Tyler Manoa, uh, Ali Savea, uh, Bill Norton, Taylor Upshaw. I mean, they've got a number of guys that seem to have been able to to kind of meld into the hole and create a little bit more for, uh, formidable front seven for Arizona than we saw last year for sure. So I'm kind of wondering how much they're going to just try to rely on getting pressure with either a front three or front four and see where that gets them. Because what we've seen in the past with defenses trying to do that against Washington, you're out of luck. That does, yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, Washington's offensive line is too good. You know, now I'm saying this with them missing their starting center, the guy who they had planned to be the starting center for the season. Mateo Mele is out for the year with an arm injury. Uh, Parker uh, Brailsford has looked great on, um, you know, when, when he's – when he's been in there and, and uh, played center. And he had that, that one uh, knockdown last week uh, that looked really nice and was and made a couple highlight plays and things like that. So um, Garen Hatchett's in there, Nick, Nick Kalepo. Um, those are going to be your interior guys. But when it comes to the, um, the uh, edge or the edge guys, I mean, I, I don't have any qualms with putting Roger Rosengarten and Troy Fautano out there on an Island against what 
whatever Arizona throws at them. I just don't think there's guys who are dynamic enough. Now, in the future, Washington's going to play teams with dynamic edge rushers, but I, I just don't get the sense that um, Arizona is going to uh, be able to throw anything at Washington that they won't be able to handle out there, especially at tackle. I, the only thing that I think about, honestly, Scott, at least early on tonight when I'm looking at the first couple series for the Huskies, is whether or not that front for Arizona resembles anything that like what UCLA threw at them, for instance. Because UCLA was able to get that pressure with a four, and they were able to disguise a lot of things in their back end and throw different pictures at, at Penix that 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 um, basically caused Penix to kind of see some some different looks that weren't there, and that ended up being in a couple of picks. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to do something like that. But here's an interesting fact about Arizona. How many interceptions does Arizona have this year? Uh, I don't know. I'm zero. thinking zero. That's yeah, why. Okay. There you go. <laughs> they you don't go. have any. So, yeah. you know, and, and if you're Michael Penix, you're going to look at that stat and go, well, I don't want to be the guy that gives up the first pick to Arizona this year. That can't be on my watch. So that's going to be certainly something to look at. What I'm wondering is, and you laid out very well how Washington can can, can kind of scheme against this odd front or this low, this, this thin front with a, with more running back draws, delays, you know, getting the seven, eight yards, things like that. What I'm wondering if I'm Ryan Grubb, the one thing I would really want to do, if especially looking at the film of what Arizona has done defensively. And we're very, very familiar with these two guys, Daniel Haymuli, the former Washington mm-hmm. linebacker transfer and yep. Justin Flo, the former Oregon transfer, both those linebackers in the middle. If I'm Ryan Grubb, I want to get those guys running side to side all the time, up and down the field. I want to get those guys on the run as much as possible. Yeah, d- definitely. And and Justin Flo is a guy who, you know, he he came into Oregon back in 2020 as just this absolute freak of an athlete, stud, uh, number two or three player in the entire country when he came in and never got better. And you know, Husky fans want to laugh and say, oh, it was because of Oregon's coaching. Well, also, I, I think Justin Flo is one of those guys who peaked kind of early athletically. And he's he looks like the same guy that came out in, of high school. And he's 6'2", 225. He, he loves to be aggressive and play aggressive. Remember, he got that uh, roughing the passer penalty on that, what, 62-yard yep. touchdown pass to, to Jalen Polk. Yeah. Yeah. He's, prone, he's prone to having some lapses in discipline. I mean, yeah. we've seen it. Yeah, and and I think that Washington, like you said, Chris, get those guys running side to side, get them kind of seeing ghosts of their own. And if you if you can do that, I think Washington's going to have their choice of what they want to do across the middle because I just don't think – I mean, Daniel Haymuli was a good player, and I think he could have been pretty good here at the University of Washington, but he was getting passed by guys, and he didn't want to play anymore. And then, then he had his – then he didn't – I can't remember. He had that off-the-field thing that happened, and he just decided to leave and, and kind of get a fresh start. Love Daniel Hamuli though as a guy. He was he was a really nice kid and and all those different things. But I don't think he's that good of a football player at this point. And and Washington, I mean, what does what does he have tackle wise? I'm looking at it right now. You oh, know, yeah, I mean, I think nine tackles so far this year. Yeah, nine tackles so has, far this Flo year. Flores 28. That's the one thing you you, yeah. you look at it. Hamuli got starts in the first two games. And 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 frankly, if you don't know any better, if you're just a Washington fan looking at the stats and the participation charts and all that, he got passed up. Daniel mm-hmm. Amuli got passed up by Justin Flo in these last two games. Yep. Now, my question is, who is better suited to handle that much running, 
that much activity in the middle of the field when you like you said you're they're going to be chasing shadows for this whole mm-hmm. game who's better suited to try to do that would it be daniel hey or would it be justin flo i yeah. would think hey but i but i don't know well you would think hey because he saw this offense in the in the in practice all year yeah you know yeah. so you would you would think that but who knows yeah and the other thing too it's interesting on the back end we asked jason cheer because one of the things that we've seen again just kind of perusing the the wildcat authority boards and and just getting the general sense of things man every team we know has kind of their their you know scapegoat get the guy that they want to heap all sorts of misery on because he just isn't good enough i don't understand why he keeps starting why do they keep putting him into the game why do they keep trusting him blah blah you know all this that well it sounds like arizona's version of their scapegoat is their safety gunner maldonado he has 18 tackles in four games, one tackle for loss, one fumble recovery, one forced fumble. Um, you know, stats that on the face don't look horrible. But at the same time, every time you see his name come up and you talk to an Arizona fan, they just they just shudder and they just go, we have no idea why he still plays. Well, if that's the case, I would think if you're Ryan Crubb and you're looking at this guy, if he's really as bad as everyone says he is, He's going to get targeted mercilessly tonight. Yeah, yeah, you got to believe that they're going to try and find different ways to 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 put him in in bad situations. Um, I would think, and um, you know, you know, the the safety. I mean, look, Washington's safeties have been been you know since Buddha and and JJ or JoJo McIntosh. You know, those Washington safeties have been kind of um maligned by the by the um fan base and to a certain extent i get it you know um you know you see a guy like asa turner who looks like a physical just complete stud and and then you watch him get out there and he's just not he doesn't play like he looks like he'd play and so um and gunner maldonado is probably falling into that same thing and when you're when you're the last line of defense and you're not making plays People are going to get on you regardless of what you whether whether you're doing your job or not. If it doesn't look like you're doing your job, even though you were, um, then then that can be be a bad thing. And I think that Washington, you know, their secondary just isn't very good. They aren't, you know, Washington's uh, wide receivers are much more talented than their secondary combined. And and I I just got to believe that um, Washington's going to take their shots uh, down the field and see what they can do. Maybe open some, some things up a little bit. But again, this is going to come back to I think they need to take what's in front of them, whether that's swinging the ball out to the running backs, getting them in open space on some short passes or, or just letting them run the ball against the light box. I really think that Washington's going to have to make someone like Gunnar Maldonado figure out, am I stopping the run? Am I dropping back for the pass? What am I doing? Yeah, no. And, and when I look at Arizona's pass defense, Two things have really stood out to me kind of looking at this game holistically, just kind of bigger picture. You know, the the, the things that stick out to me is, first of all, they really haven't played any passing offenses. Certainly not like what they're going to see tonight. And and no. very few very few teams in college football have seen what Washington can provide via the air. That's just a fact. But, you know, they've played Northern Arizona. They played Mississippi State. And I'm telling you guys, Mississippi State post Mike Leach, rest in peace. That's not an air not raid the same offense. Team. They're not no. throwing. They threw for like 160 some yards or 170 yards against Arizona, and that does that's not saying that Arizona's pass defense is great. And then they played UTEP and they played Stanford. They haven't played anybody that throws the ball really. 
They just haven't. Yeah. And then on top of it, if you really look at a deeper dive into their statistics, they're 62nd in the country right now in overall pass defense, 200, 200 basically 20 yards a game. Not bad, right? On his surface, not bad at all. Okay. You've got yards per attempt. It's 7.76. Okay. Okay. That seems kind of within the norm, right? Well, Washington's pass defense, if you compare them, Washington's pass defense has given up 246 yards a game. Sounds much worse, right? Doesn't sound good at all. Their pass yardage given up per attempt, 6.16 yards. So basically Arizona, when teams have tried to pass against them, they've been okay. I mean, they they the pass those pass offenses have done things. The thing is, they just really haven't played anybody that throws the ball anywhere near the volume that they're going to see tonight from Washington. Yeah, I just think to me, it's not just a matter of what Grub sees in the box and what Michael Penix sees pre-snap that allows him to get into the right play, but whatever Arizona tries to get out of right before the snap to try to confuse Penix, I still think that they're going to have there's going to be enough spots there. Whereas you you've already mentioned it, Scott. I think there's going to be room for delays. There's going to be room for draws. I think there's going to be room for even some of those delays with the tight ends, for instance, some of those Texas routes, Mm. some of those types of things, even the screen game, I think there could be room for, because they could go, Washington could go five wide. And if all, and and if Arizona is in complete bail technique and all they're doing is trying to protect everything and keep everything in front of them, that could be, you could be wide open for screen game on stuff Mm -hmm. like that, like tunnel screens and things like that. What are your thoughts? Oh, no, definitely. You basically encapsulated what I was kind of talking about. I, I just I think that Washington's going to I think this is going to be a different game for Michael Penix. Uh, you know, whether that's going to be just swing passes. I could see someone like Jack Westover end up leading the team in targets tonight. Um, you know, what what does it look like for those guys? Are they going to be able to, um, you know, stretch the field like we're used to? Um, or are they going to have like three or four shots be able to do that? But most of it's going to be underneath stuff, stuff in the medium range passing game. Um, I think Devin Culp, you could see him have a few catches. Quentin Moore could have a few targets as well. Uh, Josh Cuevas is another one. I, I think he's a guy who we could see more of this week because he adds such a different dimension out there as either a, you know, split out tight end or a guy on the you know as the second or third tight end and then being the option off of the off of the play fake or whatever so lots of different things that they can do Washington's offense just makes things so hard on the defense they stress them in so many ways you know I remember used you know we used to talk about how Oregon's offense under Chip Kelly and then uh, a little bit under Mark Helfrich stretched you not only down the field but they stretched you the width of the field too remember that Chris and and Washington is able to do that, but they have so many different weapons to throw at you. It's like, okay, you want to double Jalen McMillan, you want to double Romo Dunze. Well, do that at your peril because you got a guy in Jalen Polk who's going to be playing on Sundays, if not next year, then the year after that. You've got Jeremy Bernard who's going to be playing on Sundays very soon. You got um, uh, Denzel Boston who I think has a future playing on Sundays and Rashid Williams, who we saw make a couple nice catches last week um, <clears throat> if they choose to get him in the game. So just so many different ways that this team can hit you. And then you cover all the wide receivers. Okay, great. We've got all those guys covered up. Now you got to cover Dylan Johnson out of the backfield, who, by the way, had more receptions than Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunsey coming into the season. I, people might not know that he had more 
receptions than Odunze and Odunze and uh, and uh, Jalen McMillan. That is crazy to think of. And then you got and then you got another good receiver out of the backfield in Tybo Rogers. You got Daniel Nagata, who's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. Will Nixon is a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. They can hit you in so many ways and hurt you in so many ways, uh, Chris. I just I have a hard time seeing anybody stop them, especially this this defense. Yeah, and as we always know, Scott, it, it comes down to execution. Whether you're talking about offense, defense, you mentioned a guy like Jeff Tedford, who's a perfect example because he was a guy that had base plays that they would run out of 15 different formations. And he would throw so many different pictures at a defense with pre-snap pre, uh, shifts and motions and everything else. That's the same thing that Ryan's gonna, Ryan Grubb is going to do to Arizona's defense. We've talked about Arizona trying to muddy up the pictures that Michael Penix is going to see pre-snap. Well, Ryan, Ryan Grubb's going to do the exact same thing to Johnny Nansen. Johnny Nansen is Arizona's defensive coordinator still. And you know that Ryan Grubb is going to throw all the pre-shifts, snaps, motions, everything else. He's going to he's going to try to bamboozle those guys, and ultimately it's going to come down to a discipline game. It's going to come down to an execution game. And I think ultimately – it's uh, what, what Nick Saban always called the outside noise. He calls it like rat poison. He's like, you mm-hmm. know, they need to stay. Michael Penix needs to stay away from the rat poison. He needs to take the cheese that's given the easy money and just keep the ball going down the field. And that's ultimately, I think, how Washington wins this game. It's not going to be pretty. And I think eventually they'll put up the points that they need to. And eventually maybe the dam will break in the third and fourth quarters. But I think at least to start the game out, he's got to show the ability to just take the seven, eight yards and not and and not have to always think of trying to extend the game with the long shot in order to really create the hammer blow. Because I, I don't think you necessarily have to do that against a team like Arizona right now. Yeah, yeah. I can't really argue with anything that you just said, Chris. If, if This is the us versus us. If Washington stays away from the mistakes – and they continue to make, you know, if they stay away from the turnovers, the penalties. By the way, the penalties the past couple of weeks have been pretty, pretty bad uh, for Washington. What, regardless of whether the other team should have been flagged last week, Washington had some bad penalties last week. So, um, you know, getting, getting, you know, it's really us versus us and Washington not making mistakes, getting, getting more, um, you know, not making turnovers and just continuing to move the chains it might not happen with those long pass plays but um if they can just chunk 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 and then score a touchdown i think washington's going to be be uh playing a lot of backups by the by the mid mid to late third quarter okay sounds good hey i know you want to uh give us a bit of a recruiting update so fill us in on on kind of the things that happened uh with all the guys that came in for the california game and uh moving forward yeah, the Cal, so the Cal game, there was a pretty good, uh, you know, number of guys on, on campus. They had, um, some guys that, uh, were, you know, targets for 2025. They, they had some local 2026 and 2025 guys on, um, the one guy that I talked to was Zadrius Rainey Saleh. Um, he's going to be, um, up at Washington for another game or two, uh, this season. One of them is going to be the Oregon game here in a couple of weeks. And we'll get to that here in a second, but, um, said he loved watching the team, loved watching the, the game, loved the, could totally see himself fitting into the defense and, and just, uh, 
loved everything that he saw at the game. Um, there was another one. Um, I'm trying to remember his first uh, name off the top of my head, but uh, Hannon is his last name. He's a he's a quarterback for 2025 that Washington's offered. I think Washington's offered something like 10 uh, quarterbacks in the 2025 recruiting class. So he was I think it's, up. I think it's Leo. Leo Hannon. Yeah, that's right. Correct. And Greg Biggins had done a story on him. He did another story on a top 2025 uh, offensive lineman that Washington is in on. He was on campus. There were a couple other guys that that uh, really seemed to have a great time. Um, Hayden. Jeez, oh, I'm getting all these names mixed up in my head. But Hayden uh, or not. I'm, he's an edge from Menlo Atherton. So that I did a report on. Uh, last week, uh, you know, during the week about, and, and he said he just loved it. He's a guy that, um, Brandon Huffman has said that he could totally see him being a, being a guy who commits early to this staff for the 2025 recruiting class. So, um, and, and then they got a commit from, um, two guys that were on campus last weekend. One was David, uh, Boyajian. Uh, he's an offensive lineman out of Clovis North. Down in Fre- down on the Fresno area, and then they got a commit from uh, very hard hitting safety coming out of um, out of uh, Texas, um, who uh, Washington really wanted a lot. Joshua Lair, he was up. He was the only official visitor, and he was up for his official visit uh, at the uh, at the University of Washington. They also hosted a 2025 linebacker. They they've made an uh, offer to Mason Poza. Uh, he was up. He's from a New Mexico kid. And I, we were talking about it. When was the last time Washington offered a uh, New Mexico kid? Wasn't it Adam, Aaron Seeley or Adam Seeley? Adam, Adam, Adam Siri. Siri, Siri. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, lot, lots of guys that were on campus last weekend. And you're going to see exponentially more. I would bet 50 guys could be there that, that are guys that Washington would take and are recruits that they're that they're after pretty heavily that are going to be on campus for the 20 uh, for the Oregon game here in the next uh, couple weeks, because um, we've already got a list um, that we've been putting together. Uh, one guy is uh, Jericho Johnson, a defensive tackle, 2024 guy, top guy on Washington's board, um, top guy out in the West. Really? I think he was a top recruit out West um, after uh, Austin Macri classified Jericho Johnson became the number one guy in the country or in the West coast. And Washington's definitely right in the mix for him. Um, Jason Brown, a local 2024 running back from O'Day, uh, is said to be uh, visiting. I'm going to um, I'm going to be following up with that and see if that's actually ends up being the case. Um, then we've got a list of other guys, uh, a couple defensive backs to keep an eye on. Adonis Curry, Dijon Lee and uh, Darius Dixon. Those are three big time defensive backs out of California that will all be up on campus. Those are all 2025 guys. Uh, Marco Jones, a linebacker, uh, he's going to be on campus. He's a he's 6'4", 215-pound, 2025 linebacker. Douglas Utu, an offensive lineman from Bishop Gorman, 2025 guy. Uh, Jackson Collick, another quarterback with Washington offer for 2025. So a lot of guys, um, and and uh, there, there may be um, a 2024 flip possibility that will be on campus, and we'll have that. Um, on Monday, uh, on Monday at, uh, in our blog, but, uh, so keep an eye out for that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's what we know on the recruiting front right now. Things are starting to heat up, uh, getting some of these 2024 guys locked in. Um, and, uh, really Washington isn't going to take very many more, maybe one or two more guys in the 2024 class. And they've turned a lot of their attention to a, a the portal, but B also 2025, because I think they want to build, 
you know, on the success of 2024 with the 2025 recruiting class. And just to make double sure, um, Scott, for the for the weekend of the Oregon game, are they going to be do we already know of any official visits? No, no officials that we're aware of as of yet. That doesn't mean it can't change. But right now, everything that I told you guys about was all unofficial visits. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Any final thoughts uh, about tonight's game before we wrap this up? Uh, I think, again, Washington versus Washington. If Washington doesn't make mistakes, uh, keeps, you know, doesn't doesn't have any uh, turnovers, keeps the penalties to a minimum. um, I see this one being a pretty big win for Washington, even though Arizona, Arizona is a team who is improving and they are a better team than they were. But I just think Washington's a much better team. I I just don't see anybody, especially this defense, but I don't see any defenses. You other than maybe Georgia, um, I don't I don't see another defense out there who can stop what Washington does on offense as long as Washington's on their P's and Q's. As long as they're doing what they're doing, they're supposed to be doing, I think Washington wins this game pretty easily and uh moves in uh to their bye week at five and zero and a big matchup. Probably the biggest matchup we've seen since Washington USC in 2016 at home at the University of Washington. Which was also a game day. Ga- uh, game day. And by the way, both times game day has been on campus. They've lost. They've lost. So uh, if game day does come uh, for Husky fans, the hope has to be that they can break that streak. Yeah. And, and I just echo a lot of what you just said, Scott. I think tonight, as long as they just play the football game, just execute, play good special teams, good field position, don't turn the ball over. Just take what's given. They're, you know, bottom line, I'm, I'm, I'm in wait and see mode in terms of defenses going up against Washington. I'm in, I'm in total show me. Show me you can stop Washington. Until you can show me you can stop Washington, I'm going to keep believing Washington's going to stuff it down your throat. And I don't see anything from Arizona in the first four games they've played that tells me they're going to stop Washington. And again, you talk about us versus us. You talk about just playing the game. And the only team that's going to stop them is them. Firmly believe that. Firmly believe that right now because they have they have trucked every team that has been put in front of them. I don't think tonight's going to be any different. I think Arizona presents different challenges than other teams have, but I don't think that there are challenges that Washington can't overcome. Maybe initially they struggle for a series or two, get a feel for it on the desert, dealing with the heat. Make sure you're hydrated, those kinds of things. But as long as they as long as they take care of business like they've been, I don't see any issues uh, in tonight's game whatsoever. So uh, I think we all predicted a, a pretty sizable Washington win tonight. So yeah, on they roll, bye week, and then Oregon. And I I agree 100%, Scott. That would definitely be the biggest game since that USC game, when so much was on the line. And people have to remember. Even though Washington lost that game, they still made the playoff. So, you know, we don't need to get that far ahead. But even if they do lose a game like that, it's not not it's not like, oh, all hope is lost. But it is one of those things where the Pac-12 is so competitive right now. It just feels like a potential cannibalizing of the conference is in the cards. And that's really unfortunate. But it is for the neutral. It's going to be so much fun to watch. For Washington fans, maybe not so much, but for the neutrals, it's going to be pretty incredible. So for Scott Eklund, we'll wrap it up here. I'm Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Go dogs.